God is good. Oh, some good-looking families on there. You look pretty good, too, out there. Hey, welcome to Horizon Community Church. Uh, I know I'm the only thing between you and a hot breakfast, and so I'll try to keep this to three hours. Just kidding. Preachers like to talk a long time. Well, I'm going to... I appreciate the heavy lifting that Pastor Stan did last week in talking about what marriage looks like, what marriage is. You know, we live in a culture and a climate that's kind of mixed up about that, and I really appreciate Pastor Stan kind of hitting that straight forward. If you didn't get a chance to hear that sermon... You can go on our website, download our app, and or the sermon itself on this podcast. It, it'll bless your life. Uh, so we're going to be continuing that this week uh, as we look at the, at the Word of God. And, 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 and I want to I kind of focus in on what, it has to, what the scriptures have to say about cultivating mutually beneficial, life-giving relationships. And I want to put that in the lighter in the context of dating. Someone might be thinking, if this is about cultivating mutually beneficial life-giving relationship, then how in the world does that happen in dating? I, I, I can appreciate if you feel that way. As a father of three uh, beautiful girls and a, and a grandfather of the most gorgeous granddaughter, you know, dating is awkward at best and a terrible idea at worst. And so I can, I can feel your pain. Uh, but having said that, I'm excited about today's topic because although dating is not in Scripture, in and throughout scripture is this idea of cultivating mutually beneficial, life-giving relationships. And I believe when we align ourselves with God's word, God's will, and God's ways, we grow as individuals and we give those around us the best possible opportunity to grow as well. And perhaps we can encourage and inspire them to do the same. So let's pray and we'll get right into it. Father, we thank you for these moments that we can share together as a family. And God, I thank you that you would... Uh, that your word would, be, would permeate this place, that your spirit would lead and guide, and, and God, that you would find fertile soil for your word to be planted, that it could bear fruit, grow up and bear fruit that leads to life. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first uh, top point of, of, of our conversation this morning has to do with dating before marriage. And uh, to, as I said, the, the word dating isn't used in marriage, but there's some, there's some principles in the life of a, of a couple of singles that I think is really valuable for us to glean from. If you've ever read the book of Ruth, chapter 1 to chapter 4, it's a wonderful love story, and, it, and, the, and the setting of that story is in, is in a period of upheaval in terms of the nation of Israel. It's during the period of what they call the period of the judges, which was about 430 years, 410, 430 years or so, uh, between the time Joshua died and then Saul ascended to, to be the leader of Israel. Really rough time in Israel, a lot of confusion, uh, anarchy, confu- all kinds of negative stuff going on, people of Israel following God, falling away from God, following God, following, it, following away from him. And that would just go on and on. And in, and in, in that setting, in that, in that rough climate, kind of like our 60s or our prohibition era in the United States, it was, just a, it, was just, it was a tough mixed up time for the nation of Israel. And in that setting, we find this jewel of a story about a man and a woman, how they came together. And it's a, it's a story about a a, a woman who her husband Elimelech goes away to the, to the, uh, to, to the Moab uh, nation and they settle there. Her name is Naomi. Her husband dies. She has two sons. They get married. Ten years later, they die. So now she has two stepdaughters. And then she and their step, she hears about, uh, they moved to, to Moab originally because of the famine that had come in the land in Israel. And then when her, son, when her sons die, she hear, she's des- devastated, and she 
hears again that, the, that Judah is restored, that things are going well, the crops are back. And so she decides to go back to Judah and she and her, and her, her daughter-in-laws want to go with her. Well, eventually, as the story goes, only one decides to go back with her, and her name is Ruth. And in the process, Ruth meets a young man named Boaz, and the way that Boaz treats her is with respect and dignity, although they're totally separate because Ruth and, and Naomi are devastated financially. They're the poor of the poor, and the poorest of the poor, and in a real tough financial situation, they're in debt, the land that owned, they, they, they can't purchase. And so Boaz come, becomes his rescuer. But how he interacts with her and how he treats, with, treats her during that in chapter 2, chapter 3, is an amazing love story. And I want to encourage you to take a few moments out of your day. It's about a 25-minute read. Ruth chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. And it's a love story. Eventually, Boaz and Ruth get married. She gets delivered. And, uh, and if you read the rest of the story, it talks about that from the lineage of Boaz... And Ruth comes King David and eventually Jesus. So that's the context of, 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 of our conversation in, in regards to some of the characteristics of what your, your perspective mate, or per, perhaps the person of interest that you might have from a dating standpoint should look like. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, she makes an, an, a, an amazing declaration, Ruth does, to Naomi, her, her mother-in-law. Because just when Naomi was about to cut her loose, say, hey, Ruth, you need to go back to your family, go back to, to your parents and, and to your country and your gods. I'm going to go back to Judah. Why don't you go back to Moab with your family? You know, you've been faithful to your husband, to my son. Really appreciate that. But now I'm, I'm releasing you. And here, this was Ruth's response to Naomi's request for her to go away. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I want to read that again. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. If you're, if you're dating somebody, or you're a prospective dater or datee, I would like to suggest to you that you take Ruth's, uh, some cues from Ruth. Make sure that not only are you committed to God, but that those who you're pursuing or that person that you're pursuing is also committed themselves to God. Second thought is that Ruth was humble and a hard worker. You can imagine being devastated and destitute financially. She was willing to work hard, and she worked in the fields that belonged to Boaz. And so he discovers this young lady, she's working, and, and he's really impressed with her work ethic. And, uh, be, be, and so he, 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 gives, he shows her kindness and respect, but she was humble and she was a hard worker. In fact, this is what the foreman, Moab, uh, Boaz's foreman, said about her in Ruth chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. She's a young woman from Moab. He said, who's that young lady? And he, said, he describes her to her. Young woman from Moab who's come back, who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been working hard. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. She wasn't just sitting around hoping for stuff to happen. She didn't have much, but she wasn't going to let that hold her back. She, her economic status was not going to determine her actions. She was, she was a hard worker. She was humble. When you're dating somebody, that might be a, a, a characteristic that you're interested in looking into. Another thought about Boaz and Ruth's relationship Boaz realizes who this girl is. She discloses that, hey, I'm, he finds out that she, they're, 
that she's a hard worker, and he says this, I also know about everything that you've done, because he heard about her story with her mother-in-law and how she was willing to forsake her home country and come and live with Naomi. But I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. Now, Ruth's response was, I hope I continue to please you, sir. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. So Boaz treated her with respect, with dignity. Question for you, is the person that you're dating, is the prospective person that, that you're considering, are they respectful? Would they treat you with dignity? Three things out of, and I really want to encourage you to read that story if you have an opportunity, because there's three thoughts that come to me when I think about Ruth and Boaz. Is your person of interest, your date candidate, a follower of Jesus? Are they embracing responsibility, industrious, and have a vision for their future? Are they accepting and respectful of the person that you are? I've got four children. Actually, I've got five. I've got a fifth as a granddaughter of mine, Layla. I have four children. They range from 27 all the way down to 16. Kimberly and I have been married. We just celebrated our 28th year of marriage. And in those 28 years, we've never, ever used the word divorce in any of our conversation. Now, Kimberly has probably thought about murder quite a few times, <laughs> but divorce just has not been an option for us. But I've brainwashed my daughters from the very young age on how they should respond to somebody who gives an, an appearance that they're interested in them, right? Being a father, trying to be protective, trying to set them up for success. So I said, to girls, here's what you're going to do when somebody try to, tries to be a, a Mac Daddy. You know, back in my day, they called him Mac Daddy, right? So trying to throw you a little line, whatever line that might be. It's still stupid. Anyway, so here's, here's what you should ask. You have five questions to ask. First question, do you have a job? Not one that says, would you like that? Nothing against food service industry, but I don't want attached with that. Would you like that supersized? Um, so do you have a job? Second question, does your daddy have a job? Very important. Third question, do you love Jesus? Fourth question, does your daddy love Jesus? You can ask any of my daughters this. They'll tell you the, four, the five questions. Fifth question, would you like to meet my daddy? <laughs> if... If they say no to any one of those five questions, walk away. End of story. Not worth pursuing. The time to evaluate character in others is before you get too deeply involved. Psychiatrists Claude and Townsend say, when the attachment deepens, the reasoning weakens. When the attachment deepens, the reasoning weakens. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I can't say that strongly enough. Above all else, guard your heart. Value the gift that God has given you. Value yourself. Guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. If you're single or even if you're married, you need a plan for spiritual growth. God's primary work in each of us is to mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. As we devote ourselves to God and his word and yield to his Holy Spirit, our character will change. Our character will change. A lot of times we focus on the other person, but the, the, the light ought to be on us. What are we doing about our spiritual growth? What are we doing personally about our posture, our positioning, 
in terms of who we are as a man and a woman of God and a man and a woman who goes after God. Make knowing and loving God a priority in your life. And if you're looking for a potential mate, look for one who's committed to the same thing as you are. And allow the Holy Spirit to direct and lead you. Make it a part of your prayer journey. And if you're a teenager in the house, here's, I've, got, I've, got, I've got good news and bad news for you. If you honor your parents, you'll have a long life. That's what the scriptures say. If you don't, you're going to get spankings. I'm just not. <laughs> but honoring your parents is not an option for you. I mean, I guess it is. But I suggest to you that you choose honoring your parents. And if they're saying no dating until you can pay the bills, mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the thought. Pursue love, not lust. Pursue love, not lust. Galatians 5, says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, I love the amplified version of this, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I love 1 Corinthians 13. It just gives you a lot of examples of what love looks like. You know, we, we, we live in a world that's obsessed with looking good. No, I mean, whether it's, whether it's your hair, your makeup, your underwear, you know, your, whatever. I mean, the extreme exercises and on and on and on. And I'm not a guy that's against looking good. I mean, you know. I'm not. I think that's good. But if that's all you focus on, you're setting yourself up. Because stuff starts to fade. I mean, that good looking, you know, that it's, it's going to eventually not look so good. I remember when I introduced Kimberly for the first time to my dad. And dad was a pretty straightforward guy. And uh, so this is the first time Kimberly ever meets him. We go down to Long Beach, California. We go into his, his study at the church. And and so we're talking, and I say, and, and during our conversation, I said something to the effect of, hey, Dad, isn't she beautiful? And Dad, he just looked at me as, as, as somber and serious as he could. He goes, doesn't matter what I think. I'm not the one that has to live with her for the rest of my life. And he goes, and son, beauty is like new clothes. Wash it a few times, and it fades. <laughs> what a romantic, right? <laughs> and I mean, Kimberly's sitting there going, what am I doing in this time? I that was rough. But he's, he's right. I mean, it's kind of brutal, but it's true, right? I mean, just stuff fades, guys. Stuff fades. And, and you know, if you think your wife doesn't look as hot as she used to, what do you think you look like? <laughs> you look toe up. Belly all out here. Stuff. Anyway, that was not in my notes. I'm sorry. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Some, some action items for you if you're an action item kind of guy, right? Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. So dating before marriage. Well, what about dating after marriage? That's the second thing I want to kind of focus on. Let's look at how God's word kind of sets that up for us. Some of the thoughts from this. Songs, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10 my lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over. Not in Oregon. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me. 
Can you hear the, 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 the tenor of that scripture? Can you hear the voice of the, one, of, of, of the two lovebirds, if you will, of the husband and the wife calling each other awake? Come away for a moment. Sit aside. Do you take moments in your life to come away? Life is busy. And it only gets busier. It get, it only, the older you get, it, it gets more complicated. I'm talking about within a marriage relationship. It just gets complicated. Are you setting yourself up for success? Are you taking the few moments and setting those, those times aside for each other? I, I want to encourage and suggest that you do that. There's a lot of ways to do that. And then, and then in, in the next verse, it says, My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop of the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is pleasant and your face is like, they're kind of playing hide-to-go-seek. They're having fun. They're having a good time, right? Just, at least that's what I get, right? Now, how many, in this, how many in the house are married? Raise your hand if you're married. Come on, get it up. Be proud and loud. Get your hand up. If you're, all right, put your hand down. You don't have to raise your hand for this one. How many of you are having fun? No, I didn't say raise your hand. Don't be bragging. <laughs> I'm having fun. What about you? I'm just, you know. How many, if you're not having fun, life is way too short. How many of you have kids? Hands up if you have kids. Woo! Now I know why you're not having fun. <laughs> hey, here's the reality. Our kids suck the life out of us, don't they? <laughs> Somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to say it. Those kids, they're just, they're just a handful. It's beautiful and it's cuddly. And, I mean, from the, from the get-go, they're a handful, literally, right? From, the, from Jump Street, it's like, I got diapers to deal with this, this. It's like a thankless job for the first six years, and then it gets complicated because now they have a mind of their own. And then they get into the teen years. It's like, what the heck is going on? Right? I mean, Kimberly, I remember she had to help me navigate some things. I've got three girls in the house, and they're standing there, and they would in unison cry. I say stupid stuff, but I was innocent that day. I was like, I looked at Kimberly, she goes, it's a girl thing. That is, that is so not fair. It's a girl. It's a, what does that mean? It's a girl thing. That's like a trump card. That means I can't say anything about it, right? And kids are just, they're, you know, they're just confusing sometimes. Uh, my, my philosophy in parenting is best guesser wins. <laughs> yes, it is. Because, you know, the, the situation changes. It's a fluid situation. It just, it changes every time. I and mean, you thought you answered it this way last time, and now it's changed. You know, Levi came to me one time. He's about seven years old. And he says, Dad, I can't stand these women. I said, boy, don't you disrespect your mom. He goes, no, Haley and Brooklyn, his older sisters. I said, what's the matter, son? He's about seven. They're telling me what to do all the time. I said, well, son, just say yes. And then do whatever you're going to do. <laughs> I, know that's I know that's terrible parenting. Terrible parenting. But hey, you got to take your shots when you can. You got to, Right? I'm just saying, our kids are a handful, and they just suck the life out of you. They do. And so you got to take some steps to keep that sucking sound away, right? Minimize that thing. Do something that you both enjoy. You know, Kimberly and I, we're foodies, as you can see. Um, I like to eat a lot, and, and, and we just like to hang out, like coffee and, and all that. Just like, just like anybody else, we like food, like coffee. There's a special spot that we have called Dream Givers Inn. It's a bed and breakfast over there, backside of Wilsonville and Newburgh. Wonderful place. They're not paying me for this advertisement. I'm just telling you, it's a great place to go to just kind of unplug and get away, get your head together. Because you know what? Life's too short. Let's have some fun in the process. I have to remind, actually, Kimberly and I have to remind each other, we're on the same team. 
We're on the same, we signed up for that. We went into this thing, eyes wide open, and then stuff happened. We're still on the same team. So spend some time together. How about dating your children? Listen to what the scriptures say. Children, obey your parents. This is what I was talking about earlier. Because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Ephesians chapter 6, we're in. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go really, 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 really well for you. And you'll have a long life. Well, those are two good reasons to be honoring to your parents. Then it says, Father, do not, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from God. Now, that's interesting to me because it says, hey, don't frustrate, don't aggravate, don't irritate your kids. But it's not saying just let them do whatever they want. It says, rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It's, it's not what you think or feel, not what, you, what your spouse, but what does the Lord say about bringing up these kids? And in order to be able to discipline them correctly, you, gotta, you, just, you have to know who they are. And to know who they are, you have to spend some time with them. And I know we're busy folks. There's stuff that's demanding us. Our schedule's not our own. It's dictated by where we were and all that. I understand that. But as it, as it you just got to make the time. You got to be invested. And it's real practical. You don't have to like large swaths of time, but maybe there's a sporting event. Maybe there's a, uh, maybe they have an art show or something like that. Take the time. Find out what they're interested in. Find out how they work. It's important because then you can communicate to them and with them. Deuteronomy says this. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up. I'm going to read that again. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and, and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish. It's about meaningful. It's about mutually beneficial relationships, life-giving relationships. Teach them to your children. Teaching is not about just transferring information from a book to them. It's about modeling it before them as well. It's about spending time with them. When my kids were younger, I made it a point to, to try to be at as many events as I could, and, and my work schedule at times didn't, didn't allow that. Prior to becoming, uh, coming on staff, I played the, you know, the, the corporate game for, for a while, and I, I remember there'd be t there was one time in particular, this is right before ministry, I'm talking to Kimberly, I'm in Ohio with a client, and she goes, hey, Levi just hit a home run. He was in Little League. I'm in a business meeting. I'm standing on the edge of the, of the, of the deck at this particular house in Ohio. Everybody's behind me, and I'm just bawling. I'm just crying because I'm missing out on some, some rich stuff here. Not, a, not, not, not so much a sporting event, but for him, it was an event. It was a home run. It was his home run, and I'm, that kind of that bothered me. But it take, take some time with your kids. These moments with the kids, for me, it helped me get a little insight on who they were. And, and help me navigate life with them a little bit. Brooklyn is my oldest. She's kind, considerate, painfully shy, introvert, and a perfectionist. And she's a self-proclaimed creeper magnet, is what she said to me. She goes, Dad, I'm a creeper magnet. 
Creeper magnet? Yeah, just weird guys always try to hit on me. I said, because you didn't, what, what are those five questions I told you? <laughs> Haley is a servant, a free spirit, free and independent spirit, I might add, adaptable and resilient. Levi is thoughtful and resourceful. He loves tinkering with stuff and with people's minds. Gabriella is, is very compassionate, a lover of people and, and a boy band called One Direction, apparently. And then Layla, my seven-year-old granddaughter, she's, uh, she loves laughing and helping every, everybody else do the same. And she's kind of like our entertainment center. That's just who she is. And so it takes time, guys. It just does. And I know they suck the life out of you for the most part, but it, it's okay. Get engaged. Get involved in what they're doing. Get to know, your, you get to know the little, because pretty soon they grow up and they're gone. And the time that you take to invest in them now, I'm telling you, it'll bring return. It may, you may not see it right now because of whatever. You may not see, but I'm just telling you, as long as it depends on you, be at peace with them. Love on them. My son and I, I made a decision when we moved here from Hawaii that we would have what we call brothers weekends on Memorial Day weekend. And so we'd go away for the weekend the girls didn't like that too much because they said it wasn't fair. We didn't care because we had to put up with four women all year. So we just kind of blew them off and we did our own thing. So we did Brothers Weekend. And this one particular weekend, um, we started doing when he was about six, seven years old. And this one particular weekend, I think he was close to 11 or 12. It's about that time when you have the sex talk, right? I don't know if you ever had that. My sex talk was very different with my dad. It was more like you touch, you die. That was the kind of sex. <laughs> that was a real in-depth, you know, into the Bible, what it says about pre Anyway. So Levi and I, we're going to go, we get on, and I have this all pre-planned, it's going to be a wonderful weekend, we'll talk about this sex thing and try to, you know, untie some of the knots that are in his brain about that stuff. And I had a little booklet that had sex, just pretty, it's a green and white book cover with this big word sex on the front. And I went through it and I, I stapled all the inappropriate pictures that were in there. Uh, so I get this book and we get on the airplane and I sit down and I've got this book, you know, kind of here. And I sit down in my seat, and my son is here, and there's this other person over here. And I say, son, it's going to be good. We go, oh, dad, I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. I say, yeah, it's going to be great, son. And this is what we're going to talk about. And I laid that book on his lap, and it was like, it's like I put a, like hot coals on his Oh, my God, dad, what are you doing? This is so embarrassing. He said, the book is fumbling around. He's trying to reach for it. He's grabbing it. And I'm just kind of chuckling, and people are looking over the, over the seats trying to find out what's going on. Hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. I needed some entertainment anyway. <laughs> Take some time. Take a few moments. And hey, guess what? I don't know how to do it. You don't know how to do it. We're all pretty terrible when it comes to... I, some of you guys are better than me. Most of you guys are probably better than me when it comes to parenting. But hey, best guesser wins. Keep guessing. Keep trying to figure it out. I'm telling you, it's wor it is worth the journey. It really is. It's worth the journey. And then the final thought is date your grandchildren. For those of you who have grandchildren, who in the house has grandchildren? Amazing, right? Amazing little lives, I'm telling you. And so different from your grandkids because you can do stuff that you normally wouldn't do with your, with your kids, right? And then you go home and sleep while the parents have to put up with their sugar high. <laughs> grandchildren are the crowning glory of, age, of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. Parents are the pride of their children. Layla is seven years old. She's going to be eight in March on the 14th. 
And uh, I, you know, uh, I, I don't want to go into the, her story too much other than that. When all of my children were little ones from toddler until even to this day, I'd always ask them the same question, who loves you? And their response, I taught them the response, by the way, the, your response, the appropriate response is daddy. So I said, who loves you? Daddy. How much? So much. When? All the time. So that's, that's all the kids. They're going. And then Layla comes along and I teach, and you can ask Layla, who loves you? She'll say, daddy. How much? And she'll say, she'll say so much and all the time. And you ask her why, and she goes, because I'm your girl. And I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to drive that into her consciousness and her subconsciousness, because it's true. My love for her, God's love for us, is not predicated upon your performance, your, your, whatever you, your, your skill level, whatever. That is not what is, he loves us just because I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I can do a little bit when it comes to my, my girl. And she had a hard time. I said, does daddy love you when you're a snot? She said, no. I said, yeah, he does. He loves you. Does he love you when you have a bad attitude? Mm, yep, daddy loves you when you have a bad attitude. So now I finally got her to the place where I said, does daddy love you when you disobey? He goes, yep. So she likes saying that part. <laughs> but it's true. I love her so much and all the time. And I'm going to tell her that until the day I die. Because it's true. And God loves you so much and all the time. And his scriptures, just like the words that I'm trying to bury into the subconscious of my kids, his scriptures do the same for us. They reformat us. They rewire us. Because we're messed up. Because we have a wrong perspective of not only who we are, but who God is. And so he reformat, he, he, he reclaimed us, and then he fixes us. That's the beautiful news, guys. He just does. He's really good at fixing us. And if you think, if you think it's rough, think about how you were when you were a kid when you think about your kids. And you're sitting here pretty good, right? Congratulations to Jesus, not you. But I'm just saying, man, God in his word is reminding us of his love, his plans, his purposes for us. And he loves doing that. And when we come together here in the context of our worship together, hopefully that's what you're sensing from the God that we serve. Hey, I love you so much and all the time. I love you so... Mutually beneficial life-giving relationships. That's what God's about. God wants us, that's what God wants us to cultivate. And in case you didn't know this, you're highly valued. The person that you're dating is highly valued. The spouse of your, that you have is highly valued. Your children and grandchildren are each highly valued. And if you need proof, John 3.16 ought to be enough for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21 says this about God's value for you and I. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's good news for you and I. That's good news for the person that you're dating. That's good news for your wife. That's good news for your husband. That's good news for your children. That's good news for your grandchildren. We are highly valued. And we pass that value. First we, first we receive it. We live it out, and then we pass it on, and it's a good thing. 